0: And greetings in the Master's name. Uh, let's uh, open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. I think we'll read this chapter. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying, in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, and that's Joshua there, had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay, just uh, reviewing a little bit. What's the first word in the book of Hebrews? God. Okay, God, who has sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken. So, God hath spoken. How? Okay, through his son. It's Jesus. And so, what's the first chapter of Hebrews about? One word. Yes, it's about Jesus. And it's how he's superior to the angels. Okay, what's the second chapter about? Okay, it's about Jesus. And uh, yeah, it ends up there about the, the high priest. And then the first part of the third chapter is Jesus. And the last part of the fourth chapter is Jesus. And uh, it's like the... Uh, supposedly, the little girl that was quoting Psalm 23. And she said, the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. And uh, she might not have had the words quite right, but her theology was pretty good. Uh, And it says that in Hebrews. uh, in, In chapter 13, I think it's verse 5, it says, be content with such things as ye have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It says, you have Jesus? Be content. It's all you need. Or is it? <laughs> Any, anything we look to to meet our needs, whether it's our job, a position, friends, family, spouse, anything we look to to meet our needs beside Jesus will leave us lacking. We can only find our needs met in Jesus ultimately and this uh, uh, and we've mentioned that before but the, this book written to the Hebrews Hebrews were Jews and it's written to Christian Jews and in the setting there in the New Testament times when they left Judaism, I mean, they left a lot as far as earthly. The the Jewish religion that had the ceremonies, that had the temple, Herod's temple was grandiose. Uh, It was a very tight-knit family, uh, cultural, subculture thing. And when they became Christians, I mean, they were outcasts. And it's kind of like their, their Jewish family and friends could say, look what we have. You know, we have the temple, and we have the ceremonies, and we have the priests, and we have, we have all this stuff. And what do you have? You just have somebody hung on a cross. But they had Jesus. And that's what the writer's pointing out, what they actually had in Jesus. And so we have Jesus. Okay, now, uh, going to another thought. What is the third word in chapter 4? Therefore. Therefore. Okay, now notice. Notice, if you look in chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore. And you look in chapter there's a bunch of them well in chapter three verse seven it says wherefore which is the same as therefore essentially and uh, I'm trying to pick them out um, there's some more here in chapter three but I'm not finding it uh, where is it uh Verse seven. What's the other one? Say it again. The first word in chapter three. Yeah, yeah. Wherefore? Okay. Yeah. I, but I thought there was another one. Verse ten. Well, that's wherefore. But I'm looking for another therefore in chapter three. Verse seven. Yes, yeah, seven. Well, anyway. You say ten. Yeah, that's wherefore. But I'm looking for the therefore. Well, anyway, I guess that's sort of a wrong. There's one in, okay, in chapter 4, verse 7. No, I've got, somehow I've got my references wrong. Um, but the word therefore means uh, consequently or because of that or for that reason. And so we have these here uh, different times. And it's like because of what was just said, think about this. And so the first one in, uh, in chapter 2, verse 1, it's just talking about how angels were ministering spirits, and it was through angels that the law came and how important it was for them to keep that. So how much more important is it for us to pay attention to what Jesus said? And so on. So we have those therefores. And so we have one here in chapter 4, verse 1, the third word in the King James Version, let us therefore fear. So, and what it's referring back to is they were all promised they were all promised the land of Canaan. But there was only two that got in. Out of well, they they sort of figured when the census was taken of the armed forces there were 600,000 adults and so they figured it might have been a a nation of three million people, but anyway, uh, well, okay. All the children under 20, 20 and under, got in. But as far as the adults, there were only two. So it it, it says it's, it's saying there's it's serious business. It says pay attention. And so, uh, uh, so we we can be too fearful, okay. So we have Jesus as our great high priest, so we have a lot of confidence. In fact, that's what chapter 3 really uh, focused on, and we have those words again here in chapter 4, we'll look at, you know, because of a lack of confidence in God, they didn't follow through, they didn't obey. And so we 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 have a lot of confidence in God, but at the same time, living the Christian life is a very serious thing. If we don't pay attention. So... Um, now, it says, in, 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 and okay, I have another assignment for you. In verse 1, it says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being lest a left us of entering into his rest. Now, how many times is the word rest in chapter 4? I got seven. You got eight. Okay, now there is eight. Actually, the, the word, the Greek word is eight, because the word says, has ceased. Now, which let me see which verse that is. Um, uh, okay. It's 10 where it says has ceased. That's the same Greek word. So in verse 10, I don't want to get too tied up in technicalities here, but in verse 10, the word rest and has ceased is the same Greek word. So, but the point is, my point is, there's a lot of emphasis on rest here. It's taught. And of course, it repeats. It, it quotes the same thing over and over. It, it repeats the quote several times, and so you get that. But that word "rest" um, and uh, actually there was two Greek words, but they're very similar, uh, just different forms of the same of the same word. Uh, that's translated "rest." Um, and uh, just out of curiosity, I had uh, I was looking up things in in the songbook. I was thinking I, I want to get to that in a minute, but about songs and that have to do with rest and so on. And uh, there's this little book that somebody took a project one time, and they made a church, uh, uh, they made a uh, a concordance of the church hymnal, every word in the church hymnal, and the word rest or resting occurs in the church hymnal uh, over 150 times. But uh, be that as it may. When you think about, okay, the rest that it's talking about here in Hebrews 4, what do you think about when you think about rest? What what is what is this rest? Now I suppose I'm, you know, I'm I'm supposed to be preaching, I'm supposed to be telling you, but I'm just I'm just asking you what what what's your concept? What do you think about when you think about the rest that the scripture's talking about here? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Okay. Peace. I think it's it's Revelation. Turn to this. I'll find it here in a minute. Revelation um, 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Lord, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. And see, that's what I was wondering. When you think about rest, do you think about our ultimate rest? Or do you think about the rest we have now? And which is Hebrews talking about? Do you ever sing the song, To Canaan's land I'm on my way? And so the symbolism there, the the Old Testament People going gone into Canaan, and then we talk about to Canaan's land, I'm on my way. We're thinking about heaven. And so is that our rest? Well, our rest is, that certainly will be our ultimate rest. But then I thought about the verse 2 that uh, Carol mentioned. Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. And I don't think he was talking about heaven. He was talking about now. So there's there's that rest too. And but this chapter is really emphasizing finding that rest, entering into that rest, and that we don't miss it. And so um, now maybe I'm asking you too many things this morning. But I got at least one more thing I want to ask you. The idea of rest. What songs come to your mind when you think about rest? Well, I don't know what all you're thinking of, but I was thinking about songs, and then I thought, well, you know, in our song books, one of the indexes is a scripture index. And it's like the, the scriptures that it's not part of what the songwriter did but in our in our songbooks they have a scripture to go along with each song and so what what uh, did the uh, and that's up to the songbook compiler whether it's a uh, a committee or whether it's a person for this one it was mainly John Martin and uh so i i looked to see his scriptural index it's on page uh, well for hebrews it's page 923 and so i saw that uh okay verse 7 uh, verse 7 which says he limiteth a certain time saying and david today after so long as it is said today if you will hear his voice and so the song that he he uh coupled with that verse was 207 in fact if you just take your it's kind of interesting if you take your book and 207 and why did he use that verse there And it's still, still, still. Still, and it's the song under Jesus Christ's birth. Still, still, still to the eve of the Savior's birth. The world is sleeping, God is sending. But the second verse says, still, 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 Jesus comes to the heart of men while passions are hushed and souls are attending, God is speaking. God is speaking. And so that's why I think that he tied, he used verse 7 that says, If you will hear his voice, God is speaking, will you hear? And so, but most of the verses, uh, most of the songs uh, that he used, uh, the verses from Hebrews, uh, well, uh, verse 9, where it says, There remaineth therefore a rest of the people of God, he used the. Uh, uh, a, a worship song, number 44, in the book, O oh Day of Rest and Gladness. And you see there, that's that's another part of rest where it says uh, God uh, worked six days and he rested on the seventh. And so this is our day of rest. And so there's a lot of ways we can think about rest. Um, but just uh, a, a, a few more here. In um, verse 12, uh, it says the word of God, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And the the uh, song that he coupled with that verse is thy word, O Lord, like gentle dews. And then also um, verse 15, we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And I thought about asking us to sing this song, but then I was afraid we, we wouldn't know it good enough. And uh, it's a, often referred to as A Stranger of Galilee, but the title is In Fancy I Stood by the Shore. I wonder how many of you know that song, The Stranger of Galilee? Okay, a number of you do. But then uh, most of them were in the section of the hymnal called Comfort and Rest. And that's uh, along about the 460s. Well, actually, yeah, it starts, uh, it starts at 465. And we got a number of them. The, uh, amid the trials which I meet, amid the thorns that pierce my feet, one thought remains supremely sweet, thou thinkest Lord of me. And I don't know if the if the word rest is used in that song, but it's comfort and rest. And then 469, well, all these through here, comfort and rest. 469 days are filled with sorrow and care. So it was just interesting looking at some of those. Uh, 467, come ye disconsolate, where ye languish, come to the mercy seat. And that that's what uh, the last part of of Hebrews 4 is talking about. Uh, uh, 72, 472, from every stormy wind that blows so we find rest in Christ in the midst of the, uh, in midst of the uh, tumult of life. And uh, there was only one, there was only one song in the church hymnal that used a verse from Hebrews 4 and that was often weary and worn in the pathway below and so that's that's the song that's thinking about our rest in heaven. So maybe that was a little different, but somehow those were um, a, a number of things I thought about. Uh, that's just kind of where my mind went to songs, thinking about rest and so on. And then uh, two more yet I thought about. The one that says, Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. And... Uh, and I already mentioned this one to Canaan's land. I'm on my way. Okay, now uh, back to um, the text here. In chapter, in verse two of chapter four, and he okay, he says, "Let us fear." Okay, first of all, let me think about that. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to talk about that just a little bit. Um, fear. Let us fear and we're talking about resting, are we to fear? And I looked up that word in the Greek, and it means just what it says, fear. But I think it has the idea of um, not exactly scared, but seriousness, seriousness. It's a serious matter, I think, is what it's saying. It's a serious matter. the um, The next to the last lesson in the in our instruction, uh, our basic Bible studies book, the next to last lesson is on apostasy, and the last lesson is on the future life. and the And the Scripture has a lot of lessons, a lot of warnings about apostasy. Hebrews has warnings, and so. We're not, we're, we're supposed to go through life secure in Christ. If we, if we're going through life afraid of our spiritual standing, that, that destroys our, or it hinders our witness. We're not this joyful Christian, but we can also be flippant and get careless about our Christian life. And so the Bible talks about apostasy. And so it is, it, it takes diligence and it takes belief. So, and so, but then you see it says, fear lest a promise. Being left to us of entering into the rest, that we would come short, because the gospel was preached to us as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith. And that word faith, we, in uh, in chapter three, we looked at those two words. The one is unbelief. Well, in, in the uh, King James, the one is believe not and the other is unbelief. But the one is a lack of confidence in God that, and then the other one is always, in the Revised Standard Version, is always translated disobedience. And the tie is, that, and Philip mentioned this recently in a sermon too, or maybe it was in Sunday school, that the tie between if, if we have confidence in God we're going to stake our life on what he said. In fact, it works that way in, in life. If you trust somebody, you're going to go on what they tell you. You're going to have confidence in it. If you trust somebody, you're going to act on what they tell you. But for God, it's, it's much bigger than that. And we can say, well, we believe God. But do we act on what he says? Do we, yeah, do we take the Sermon on the Mount? We, we think, you know, as, as Anabaptists, you know, the two kingdom concept and so on, we live out the Sermon on the Mount. Well, most of it anyway. Um, when, when we face the pressures of life, the trials of life, the disappointments of life. We can be tempted to throw in the tail. And that 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 was what was the, that was what the these, that was the writer's concern about the Hebrew Christians that they would give up, and there are Christians that give up, and so, but he says the reason they gave up, or in the Old Testament, the reason they didn't enter the Promised Land is because. God had promised him that. God had spoken. But it says it was not mixed with faith. It was not mixed with confidence that God would pull through. I mean, Abraham is a champion of faith, and look what... Okay, first of all, back there in Ur, in that nice civilized city, And God said, leave it and go somewhere that I'll show you. Well, maybe I shouldn't be too critical, but the nationwide people actually do better than we do when it comes to starting new churches. They'll take a congregation and they'll tap five families on the shoulder and say, move. And they do. How hard is it to get five families in our circles to move somewhere? We're pretty settled in. But but what I'm saying is God told Abraham, you leave this nice place, and I'll, I'll show you, you get moving, and I'll show you where. That was faith in what God said. And then God said, I'm going to give you a son. And what, he was 90 and she was 80 when he said that. And it happened 10 years later. And then God said, take that. And God said, I'm I'm going to give you descendants as the stars of the heaven. More than you can count. And he gave him one son. And then he said, sacrifice that son. But Abraham believed God what God said to him was mixed with faith. The teaching of the scripture is pretty radical. And so, can we accept it all? Anyway, that's a challenge. to us. When we read something, we read the scripture, you read the scripture, you daily read the scripture, it's going to speak to you. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. And you've got to you're going to mix what you hear, what you read. You're going to mix it with faith. So that, that's the challenge for us. And so we have that uh, down through here. And verse 3, we which have believed, that's positive. That's faith. That's confidence. Then verse 6, it says, they entered not in because of unbelief. That word there is disobedience. And the same thing down in verse 11, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief and that's disobedience. People don't, uh, if we don't, yeah. If we don't have confidence in what God says, we may not obey what he says. We might not obey if we don't have confidence in him. And that faith, not mixed with faith, and, uh, the, uh, and I mentioned this before, but I just really like this statement in the Amplified Bible where it, it amplifies the meaning of some of the words, or it, it, it sort of explains them. And, and several times, it trans- what, where when you have the word faith, it has in brackets in this statement, the leaning of your entire human personality on him in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. That is faith, the leaning of your entire human personality on Him and absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom and goodness. So whatever comes into your life, total leaning, absolute trust and confidence in God's power, wisdom and goodness. that's, That's a challenge. And then I wondered a little bit yet in verse 11. It says, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Those two words seem contradictory. Labor and rest. Labor to enter into rest. What is involved in that labor? And you might think about that and then why right with that verse why does it follow up with these verses about the bible the word of god is quick and powerful and sharper what does that have to do with labor labor and rest the verses that came to mind with psalm 139 the last two verses Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, I don't know if that's labor. I'm still not quite sure what that labor is all about. But I can see where, why these verses fit so to speak, why the writer put these verses here, because we're talking about not missing out on that rest. And if we let God search us and try us and show us, that'll keep us on the right path. And that's what the word of God does. See, we say, and see, it says here, dividing asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow. I think that's maybe a, a an illustration of how how the the word when we read the word I mean it searches us inside and out it searches the very depths of us. Now is that scary? And, and then the chapter ends with the theme the theme of the book of Hebrews the high priestly role of Christ. And so. The, the chapter starts out and it says, let us therefore fear. And then it ends up and it says, let us come boldly. So you see the balance there. So we ask God to search us, but it says come boldly. And, and Christ has been pictured already. And as he, he became a man and he understands us. And I'm pretty sure that you, I'm pretty sure that sometimes you feel like a failure, that you may feel overwhelmed. It says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we obtain mercy and find help in time of need. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. And Wesley talked about our, our family of faith, and, and that that is so precious. But we have Jesus too. We have Jesus, and uh, I, uh, I wanted to read just a few quotes from a, a book called The Holiest of All. It's a a book that Andrew Murray wrote on the uh, about Hebrews, about the book of Hebrews. It is the one aim of the writer to persuade the Hebrews that if they but knew aright the Lord Jesus as the faithful, compassionate, and almighty high priest in heaven, they would find in him all they needed for a life such as God would have them lead. One of the greatest lessons of our epistle has been to teach us this. The knowledge of the greatness and glory of Jesus is the secret of a strong and holy life. And then from Woost expanded translation, the last verses of this chapter, having therefore a high priest, a great one, one who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, son of God, let us be holding fast our confession. Let us be coming therefore with boldness to the throne of grace in order that we may procure mercy and find grace for seasonable help. So, Never be afraid to go to Jesus. Never be afraid to tell him anything and everything and ask for help. Let's pray.